my cup. Think to be a decker, must a seek a lane far down to up. Get me kings a flint, Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold, because I'm the host. Anyway, uh, we have a very special episode this week, and we have a lot of very special episodes coming up because I am re-airing my favorite episodes from years ago, and this is a best of. You know, we're taking the two episodes... And we're condensing them to one. And this is my interview with the one and only genius. I was so thrilled to interview her, Lorraine Newman. Now, uh, I interviewed her a few years ago at the uh, National Comedy Center. And it was a live podcast that we did for the opening uh, of the National Comedy Center, which if you are in upstate New York you it is a great I mean you're like oh what's a comedy museum about it is fantastic National Comedy Center it's in Jamestown New York that is the birthplace of Lucille Ball so and it's it's fascinating I mean it was fascinating for us and we didn't even know what to expect so I I got to interview her in person um, and we really as you know as I love to do we really talked about her and just things that, you know, growing up in Beverly Hills, being um, her drug, drug issues. Uh, there was It's so rich and I am so excited. Uh, she was so honest and warm and I think you're going to love it. And icon. She's an icon from SNL. And, you know, it's so it's I can't tell you what it feels like. Well, I probably can, but, you know, interviewing people who were a part of your life, you know, for many years when you were a kid uh, is just the greatest because they are so, so much bigger than life for you. And they remain that way. You know, I remember when I was working at the Rosie O'Donnell show and they would have these, you know, huge stars on, but it was like, I would see someone from my childhood and I, that would freak me out more than, you know, today's star. So she's just the greatest and she's Hannah Einbinder's mother. So there you go. Uh, and this is pre hacks. So, you know, we talk about her, her children, but Hannah at this point was not a household name. So I hope you enjoy it. And, you know, I figured, if This American Life can re-air their episode, so can Kill Me Now, because I am working on my show. We're the final uh, weeks of, you know, finishing the script and making it perfect. And then we go into rehearsal and then we have tech rehearsal and then we start previews March 4th at 59 East 59. Yes, I can say that the book is coming to life with the help of Eddie Safferty and under the direction of the incredible, oh, Eddie's Jewish. Um, B.D. Wong, who is a genius. I just, I love this guy so much. So get your tickets for that. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Also, something awful um, happened this week. Well, a lot of things have been happening. Um, But, uh, you know, 
50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. It was overturned. Um, so that happened last week. Uh, the artistic director of Primary Stages, which is the um, production company um, that is producing my show, the the um, it's a theater company. Uh, I can't call it a a production company, but the longtime artistic director of Primary Stages passed away on um, last. I think it was on. Ooh, Thursday, uh, Friday. And, um, the sweetest, his name was Andrew Lancey and he was the kindest, most gentle soul, really smart, very calming. I did a reading of the show and he introduced it and, and I cannot believe that Weeks later, he wouldn't even be here with us anymore. Uh, the time I spent with him in, you know, teaching, I taught at primary stages. Um, and the time that I spent with him in the creative process, I, I feel so lucky and humbled. And I, I really, I really just can't, can't believe it. It's such a loss. And so I want to um, say thank you to Andrew. Um I, and send love to his wife, Mary Bacon, their, their child, uh, a body who I, I just, it's just so fucking devastating, you know, and, and such a good person and so smart and so creative. And yet these fucking assholes are alive. Like, that's what I can't stand. Like orange fuckface is alive. Like, how do these good, good people, it's just go and these fucking assholes live on forever. Okay. I had to get it out. I just, it's fucking annoying. So, um, I'm sending love to Andrew's family. I hope that, you know, we have some sort of positive week. I fucking hate George Santos. And, you know, I hate him so much. I can't believe the media, you know, like on SNL last week on Saturday, you know, it, he was on a lot because he's such this fucking psycho, but I'm sure he's enjoying all of the attention. Don't you think he's enjoy? he's like loving it because he's a psychopath. And the fact that these fucking Republicans do nothing, they don't care. They don't care if you lie. They don't care if you are who you are. They're just, it's disgusting. Not good. Not, not a good week last week, but we have to move forward. You know, we have to hope that, oh God, I can't even fucking lie. Okay. I, I'll, I'll try to be hopeful, but it's very difficult. I know you know. Anyway, so that's what happened last week. And I want you to know that this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 26, 27, 28, I will be in Washington, D.C. at the Comedy Loft, the D.C. Comedy Loft. I have one show Thursday at 7.30, two shows on Friday and Saturday at 7.30 and 9.30. Please get your asses there. I haven't played in D.C. in so long, and I love D.C., and um, I want I want to fill the fucking seats. You know what I'm saying, baby? All right, so I'm really excited about this week's episode. I just emailed Lorraine to tell her, and she was so happy. She's just the, she's just salt of the earth. 
Uh, and what a life, what a life she had. Um, and she's continuing to have to watch her, uh, to watch her kids succeed. It's just, uh, she's, she's amazing and brutally honest. So I want you to sit back. I want you to relax. And I really hope you enjoy this week's episode of Kill Me Now with the one and only Lorraine Newman. I cannot believe who I get to talk to today. Quit it. She, all right, you know, there's certain guests I have that, you know, have a profound impact on my life. You happen to be one of them. Thank you When so I much. think of, you know, my growing up and my sense of humor and people that I really could relate to, you are on that very short list. I'm very and, flattered. I love your stand-up. Oh, I love you, ladies and gentlemen, the incredible Lorraine Newman is here! Woo! Now, Lorraine, I have this obnoxious habit um, during my podcast where I, anytime I mention anything remotely Jewish, I ring a bell. Uh, so uh, I'm down. I'm just letting you know. Okay. I don't know. It's my mother coming, my dead mother. You grew up in L.A. Yes. Um, I find it very interesting that you're the granddaughter of a cattle rancher in Arizona, and you're a Jew. <laughs> like, how did that happen? First of all, how did your family ever get to Arizona? Well, actually, they started in L.A. My dad was born in L.A. in right. 1916. Yeah. Oh, my father was born in 1916 as well. Oh, really? Yes. Aww. But in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Okay, okay. go ahead. Well, my dad was cool. born in L.A., and then they moved to Arizona, but they would come back to L.A. for the summer. Right. So I have pictures of my dad, you know, at Venice Beach right. when he's in his teens. No way. And it all looks the same, by the way. It's so cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I just told told Paul Provenza this story earlier today, but uh, I brought a cat into the house once not Mm -hmm. knowing that my father hated cats. Right. And he actually said these words to me, Mm -hmm. my Jewish father. You're going to date? Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sorry. Bring a a cat in the house, and my dad says, you get that ornery varmint out of here. And he meant it. (laughs) Wow. He, he he was just, I mean, it was shocking. It was a side of him I'd never really seen. You know what's, like, I didn't even know people lived in L.A. in 1916. Like, how did your family get to the what? I mean, usually, you know, we're Jews. We, fuck. We come from Europe, and we go to the East Coast because it's closer. But you, yeah. There, I don't know. I can't explain it. All right. So um, you went, I, Beverly Hills High School, to me, is like... I mean, I think of what? It's such a Shonda. It is? Wait. Um, Thank you. I I just, you know, I started out in Westwood, I swear. Okay. And uh, my parents moved. OJ murder. Go ahead. Me and my twin brother to uh, Beverly Hills when we were 11. Right. And uh, it was like going from Mayberry to hell. Right. Uh, that book, Less Than Zero. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Accurate. Right. Really? And, you know, Less Than Zero was written years after I graduated, but it, there was a certain tragedy about the offspring of famous people. Right. Um, it was either a tragedy or, you know, they really had the aptitude and they went on to succeed. Right. But then there were the other casualties that were just, I felt such compassion for them. Right. Tori Spelling. Um, <laughs> what was it? So you're one of four. Yes. Um, and at the age of 14, you're working with a comedy troupe. 
doing six, stuff in parks. 16? Yeah, 16. Fuck the internet, yeah. Um, um, yeah, well, that started because I saw Marcel Marceau at Royce what? Hall. Oh, all right. We didn't, we're getting to him oh, that's later, all right. too. All right. That's all right. Yeah. I, I saw him at Royce Hall, which is yeah. at UCLA, and I was captivated right, by of course. somebody who was getting laughs without words. Right. So I went backstage and I asked him if there was somebody in L.A. who could teach me. Right. So he gave me the name of Richmond Shepherd. Mm. So I started studying with him. Yaju, okay. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I just checked with Lorraine. But I also <laughs> learned improv. Right. So, and then we, they formed a company out of, uh, I was in a company with all adults, which right. made me feel so affirmed. Right. Um, Anyone have a tissue? Okay. <laughs> I have a tissue for my issue. Um, yeah, that was exciting. But uh, because of that, I mounted the first improv show at my high school. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. We had something called Thursday Theater where the right. kids could direct. And um, that's what I did. So who, who'd you go to high school with? Famous, children of famous people. Um, Joanna Gleason. Wow. She was, uh, and she was in all the musicals. Right. She's Monty Hall's daughter. Yes, of course. And Richard, her younger brother, was in my grade. Right. Uh, does anybody... She still works a lot, Joanna. Oh, Lisa. she's so She's an good. amazing actress. And she was good in high school. Yeah. When I was going in as a freshman, I saw a play during the summer starring this unforgettable kid who was Richard Dreyfus. Oh, my God. And I never forgot him. Yeah. And our teacher, our, our drama teacher was named Mr. Ingle. And when he came to host... What? No, yeah. not. Not no, at all. Take that back. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds it sounds Jewish. Yeah, Engel. It does. Yeah, all right. Engel. Sorry. Engel. Um, he when Richard hosted Saturday Night Live, he came up to me and hugged me and said, "John Engel didn't like me either." And no I was way. like, "Why would you assume he didn't like me?" You know? Oh, they must have had a little conversation about it. I don't know. No, he was actually, Mr. Engel was very supportive. He didn't really know what to make of me. Right. So he just kind of let me do my thing. Right. Because I wasn't a singer. I wasn't really an actress. I was just something else. A character. Yeah. I was a character, Character. Jody. She was a character. (laughs) So so you, you would perform in parks in L.A. outside? That was the thing with um, with Richmond Shepherd, right? Um, and it was like in Watts and East really? LA, yeah. And I remember some really angry gentleman coming up to me and saying, "You know, you're teaching our kids to aspire to something that they can never have." What? You know, and please get out of here. No way. Yeah, and uh, he was scary. He was fierce, and wow. I understood what he meant. Right. But um, they were my ride. Right. So I. So you had to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did anyone in your class become go into show business and succeed? As I'm trying to think, that Desi Arnaz was in high school at the time I was. Right. Um, but I don't think anybody in my class. No. Was like, were you automatically popular if you were like the child of a famous person in high school? I mean, because Beverly Hills High School is not like a normal. No, it, you know, it's an absolute. Ghetto. I mean, right. it was like 99% Jewish. Right. And every summer, people would come back from summer with a nose job saying, I right. fell. <laughs> uh, the Band-Aid, the black oh, eyes. Oh, that's so oh, funny. You look so different. Yeah. Um, and uh, that made me very angry. Right. And as a result, I didn't get a nose job till I was 30. Oh. I gave it a chance. I loved your nose. Well, it started to look like a baby shoe, so... <laughs> 
I I knew it wasn't getting any, any better. I'm I'm up to like boot. I'm up to you know. I think it's pretty <laughs> well. I don't care. Um, okay, so then you go to secretarial school after that? I went that? to Sawyer Business College, where I was, oddly enough, introduced to cocaine. Oh! Yes, and we got married. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good marriage, huh? Yes, it was. A lot of ups and downs, right? The loss, oh my uh, God. I got no laugh on ups and downs when she was married to cocaine. I mean, seriously, no, guys, these I was are funny talking jokes. over you. That's a good one. Thank you. So you go to secretarial school... Uh, For something to fall back on. Right, because that's a thing. Yes. And then, um, so Uh, uh, how long did you remain on the uh, cocaine marriage? uh, Till 1987. Wow. Yeah, I I was a holdout. That was good. I was dedicated. I tried to make it work. Uh, So... Did you learn? I mean, so obviously you learned a lot there doing contracts and stuff. A little bit, yeah. yeah but um, <clears throat> at the same time, my sister. Well, I was also at Cal Arts for three months, right? Which is where I met Paul Rubens. Oh, uh, really? And did an improv show with him, right? And then um, my sister was in this uh, improv workshop, right? So, and I was at Cal Arts for three months, and I understood very clearly that I was not an actress. I right. didn't want to do the things that you had to do. That that were required of right, you, right? Right. Which was, you know, revealing every. Intimate, I know. Yeah, what is that? I just was not willing to do that. I I, I think <clears throat> that some acting teachers do that and get like get off on it, like that you, you know, you have to act out the worst day of your worst experience and and just well. But you know, I think people who are good actors, right, and are able to evoke that in right. a real way, it's it's cathartic for right. the audience. And for the longest time, I always felt that there was something just a little unsavory and self-serving about being an actor. Right. Uh, but someone had said to me that really it does, it is catharsis for an audience. Right. And Yeah, but you don't have to do it in front of, I mean, you can have that skill, but not have to. There are people who are willing to do it, yeah. and those that are not going to comedy. Right, exactly. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great it is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so 
convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Gold 50 to get 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. Um, you then, uh, you're a founding member with your sister. Yes. we with Of a, the Groundlings. And everybody else in the group. We, right. The, the workshop we turned in into the Groundlings. Right. Yeah. Which... Before you, this is before UCB, before everything. Um, so they had in Canada, they had um, Second City, Second City, and, and Chicago, Second and City, Chicago City Limit. Uh, Jane or, yeah. was in uh, the proposition, right? And there was uh, the committee in San Francisco, right? And then you that guys, and I, I mean, <clears throat> so many great people. My friend Judy Toll was a. Oh, Judy duh. just talked about her today. You did. Yes. I love you, Judy. We love um, you. She was amazing. She really was a groundlings. And now yeah. her nephew, her sister, Ju- sorry, this is Joanne. Uh, Joanne, who's one of my best friends. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I stayed with them. Such a great writer. Yeah. She's amazing. And so she, they're Jamie, the little kid, now taking classes at the, she has a son. Oh, the who's groundlings? Taking, yeah. Oh. So you, um, you do this, and that's where Lauren Michaels finds you in this he Lily Tomlin. He found me in the Groundlings and cast God me. Damn you, Internet. Fuck. He, he and Lily came to see the show. They right. needed men for the for the special. Right. And they saw me doing characters right. and uh, hired me. Wow. Did you know then how... What know. a serious break that yeah. was? I... Believe that it was a one-time thing, and that would be the end of it. I never thought that anything would come of it, right. but I was thrilled. And you know, I was with these people who were, you know, professionals, and right. uh, I met Valerie Bromfield there. Oh, I love Val. Uh, yeah, and, Bra- and Lois. Valerie, yeah, Valerie uh, was Dan Aykroyd's partner. Yeah. in Canada, and truly, I mean, Gary Shandling has this bit. Um, <clears throat> about um, this gesture that croupiers do when they're going to leave the table, mm-hmm. which, you know, basically he said that his uh, therapist said that when he told his therapist that his mother wanted to marry him, which is that like that. Right. And um, when I saw Valerie Bromfield, there were auditions for the new Smothers Brothers show at the right. comedy store. Right. And uh, now Br- Valerie Bromfield, right. I thought, oh, let's see what this is about. Her characters were so good. Mm-hmm. That I couldn't even be jealous because she right. did stuff that I, I wouldn't even have it in me to do. Right. Uh, and I know Lily felt that way about her, too. Really? Absolutely. And she hates the business, quit the business, yeah, she's and she's like a, a therapist. I know. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. I loved her. Uh, well, I still love her, but I haven't talked to her in a while. But so. yeah, Marilyn Miller I met and Rosie Schuster. Uh, 
And yeah, and then um, I was back to the grind at the Groundlings right. and thought, you know, this is the end of that. And then um, this guy named Joel Silver, mm-hmm. who uh, later, later went on to become a really uh, successful movie producer, yeah. but at the time he was Aaron Russo's assistant. Wow. Aaron Russo managed the Manhattan Transfer, right. and they were doing a special. So Joel hires me. He sees the Valley Girl, right. and he hires me. Right. And I go to the rehearsal, and um, at the end, I'm like, what time do you want me tomorrow? And he right. was twisting in the wind because I was fired. Because, oh. you know, Aaron Russo did not get the Valley Girl at right. all. Wow. Um, and I will always love him for that. He's got kind of a, a dicey reputation right. as kind of a beast. And I think, you know, somebody imitated him on SCTV. Right. And, but uh, he, he, I will always love him for that because wow. he really, it was hurting him to tell me I was fired right. more than it would hurt me. Right. You know, and, but, and then another time I was uh, brought in to audition for Bob Hope mm-hmm. as the Valley Girl. And I went into Bob Hope's dressing room and it was full of what I think Hashtag were his, me too. Uh, no, okay. it was, it was, <laughs> no, why not me too? Yeah. Um, it was full of his golf buddies. I'm pretty sure that. Right. And he was sitting on a couch. His, his legs man were spread, akimbo, yeah. a man spread. His arm was resting on a golf iron. And I swear to God, I, I think he might not have been wearing underwear because I could Ew, see, gross. I could see the outline of his balls, you know? which, you know, when you're trying to do no an audition. No one wants to see Bob Hope's balls. So, exactly. <laughs> and it was very distracting for was the audition. Was it like his nose? Did they kill up at the end? Uh, or? Uh, uh, but he did not. I mean, he, he looked at me with these spaniel eyes and right. it was just like, you do not belong in show business. Oh Not even God. in the building it's of just, show business. Yeah, it's just constant. Oh, it's so mortifying. So, SNL. Yes. Um, how does that? So, where, when, how? I want to. I yeah. So, uh, how do you find out you got it? Well, Lauren came to see me a second time, right, in the Groundlings. Then he said, uh, asked me to meet him at the Chateau Marmont, which is where he was living. Oh wait, Lauren Michaels. Sorry. Go ahead. And uh, he's, we're talking outside by the pool. Right. And he said, I'm hired to do a show in New York. It's uh, to replace the Johnny Carson reruns on the weekend. It's for 13 weeks with a five-year option. And I'm thinking like that'll ever happen. Yeah, right. Are you living, do you have your own apartment? Are you living with your parents still? I have my own apartment. Okay, go ahead. He said it's a cross between Monty Python and 60 Minutes. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Monty Python was. Wow. Um, But I knew that I would work with Lorne no matter what. Right. Because I really appreciated his taste. Mm -hmm. Because he he really got the joke in ways that I don't think anybody did at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And he said you'd be living in New York, and that's when my stomach fell into my feet. Right. Because... It scared me. New York right. scared me. It Had just, you ever visited or? Yes. Yeah, okay. Once. Right. Um, but I, I would never have moved there to make it, right. you know? But I thought, oh, well, we'll just, it's 13 it's an, weeks. An adventure, I, I yeah. could do 13 weeks. Right. Drove cross country uh, with my What kind wife, of car? A VW Bug. Mm, color? Yeah, blue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All my written material in the car. Mm-hmm. We, do you know the actor Vincent Schiavelli? 
I he guess. He was in a lot of Milos Forman yeah, movies. Yeah. He was friends with my boyfriend at the time, so mm-hmm. I think we stayed at his place in the village. Okay. And then we had to move up to Midtown, and our car was stolen. No fucking with way. With all my written material. No way. So, you know. And you were probably more upset about the material than the car, Oh, of God, course. yes. Yeah. yeah. And I had my grandmother's jewelry oh, in there. God. All my clothes. All oh, my clothes. Fuck. The only thing I had was what I was wearing. Right. And at first I thought, gee, this is so freeing. Right. And then later on I realized, gee, this is this Fucked is bad. Yeah. This is bad. And especially since Lorne had asked me to do kind of a performance for the writers. Right. Because they didn't know my work. Right. They didn't know my characters. Well, you know. Did everyone have to do that? No. Wow. Okay. I mean, but ev- people, we saw, Gilda and I saw Jane Curtin's audition. It was between really? her and Mimi Kennedy. Wow, and really? And they were both great. Right. Uh, but we watched a lot of auditions. So were you one of, <clears throat> so you were, you you one of the first people he said you're in this? I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I didn't knowingly audition. Right. That's my point. Because but that's had I the known, best way oh, to God, audition. Yeah, because, but then having to do a show for the writers, I knew I was pretty much auditioning. auditioning right. And Who um, were the writers at the time? The original writers. It was Tom Schiller. Mm-hmm. Ding. Alan Zweibel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael O'Donohue. Don't mm-hmm. ding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Franken and Davis. Mm-hmm. You can ring for, ding for Franken. Yeah, Franken. Um, Jim Downey. But he came the second right. year. Uh, uh, Rosie Schuster. Ann Beats. Um, Marilyn Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh. Herb Sargent. Mm-hmm. Chevy, Chevy and Garrett were hired as writers. Right. Wow. And then they, you know. So you went into a room, were they all there? Yeah. And Did they rea- react? Because well, you know how horrible it is. To, let me just set yeah. the scene. Okay, sorry. First of all, I didn't remember, some of these characters I hadn't performed in months. Right. So, you know, I couldn't remember the connective tissue that that filled in these monologues, these character monologues. Yeah, yeah. So I was scared shitless. I no no saliva in my mouth, nauseous, Ugh, trembling, right. freezing, um, out of body experience. I could see myself from you know I was watching myself from a corner of the ceiling, and I was awful. I mean it was absolutely terrible. Uh, not the best foot forward. But what eventually happened was that I would sit in on writing sessions and I would see if maybe a character of mine could work in that sketch. Oh, that's a good idea. And I would yeah. do the character, I would improvise lines for that character, right. and that's how people got a, were able to see what I did. So what were the writing sessions like? I mean, and how long were they? All was night. everyone in them? At, were you in well, a, were Jane, they in a room all together? No, they all, everybody had their own office. But okay. when we did the when I did my audition, we had no furniture anywhere. There was no furniture. All there were were these long phone cords with telephones. Right. That was it. No chairs, nothing. Wow. And then, you know, they built the offices. Everybody had their own office. Right. You know, the host would come on Monday. Everybody would pitch their ideas. Lauren would choose certain ideas to work on. And then the writers would start Monday night, Tuesday, all day Tuesday, Tuesday night into Wednesday for read through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody necessarily chose to work all night, but it was a ninety-minute show right. live every week, right? You know, and um, sets would be built once you know Lauren chose the sketches for the show. Right. Sk- sets. So they would started be, Wednesday night. They building started building the set sets for Saturday. Yeah. 
That's amazing. It is amazing when I think about it. There's nothing more heroic than a, a crew, a TV crew. Oh, beyond. You know, even when you watch it now and you see the, when they go to commercial, you see, you know, scenes being moved about and sets being changed. It's like a ballet. Right. Um, they're really, to me, they're just heroic. So it's you, Jane. Jane was never there. Really? She was never there for the writing. She went home like who, a smart who would be person. Who was there? Any, what are the other, was? Uh, um, Chevy would Chevy. be there. Um me, Gilda, hmm, John would not be there. Danny. Dan. Danny was a big-time writer. Right. He wrote a lot on the show. Jim? Or John? I'm sorry. John, John. Would, would be there to hang out with Danny. I don't right. know that he necessarily wrote. Right. Um, Did the people who write wrote and performed, they got, they were compensated differently, correct? Pardon me? The, the people who wrote and performed, like Chevy. Who was a writer and a and I don't know the answer to that. Wow, because now of course they would be. Yes, I the, I yeah. really don't know the answer to that. So, <clears throat> first show, first show, George, first show. George are you Carlin. like? Do you have any clue? Any no, clue? No. I, are I'm you not freaking a, out? I'm not a big picture gal. Right. And we had very little to do. Right. So I wasn't really freaking out. But I I remember they had written George Carlin did not want to do any sketches. And they had written this great sketch for him, uh, which was Alexander the Great's high school reunion. <laughs> and it, it was so good. And when I saw that it was being cut, I just couldn't uh, understand it. Right. You know, and that was just shapes of things to come, of course. Right. But at the time, I just thought, man, you know, they Did don't they know what do they're missing. The, you know, now they do the rehearsal show with an audience. Right. At whatever. Which is so, really, if you ever get tickets to yeah. CSNL, go to the dress go, rehearsal. Yeah, the dress rehearsal, because it's you, you see the full show, and then they cut stuff out for the real right. show. Yeah. Um, and that was the way it was. That was, And they it did. still is. Yep. So was it, you're live. Was there an element of, oh my God, we're, we're live? Uh, I don't think you can really be aware of anybody other than the 300 people in the studio. Right. And... Remember that we all came from improv background. Right. All came from live theater. Right. So the structure of the show, you know, being on your mark, being in costume, doing the sketch, running off stage, changing, mm -hmm. coming back in the dark. Right. Lights go up, you do the next sketch. We were all trained to do that already. Right. So, I mean, I was certainly, we were all nervous, of right. course. But... You can't really be cognizant of millions of people watching you. And we didn't even think anybody was watching us. Right. In the beginning, nobody was. Right. I was. Uh, now, was there a lot of competition among yes. the cast? Yes, of course. But still, nobody was undercutting. Nobody was conniving. Right. Or uh, duplicitous. Right. You know, we we were together as a cast. Right. Um it was just about, it was really more hurt feelings than anything else. Right, because it's know, like, oh, that sketch got picked and mine got... Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't, it was a meritocracy and it still is. Right. It's not about who wrote it, it was it a woman, is it about a woman, right. none of that. It was a meritocracy. Whatever was funny went into the show. Right. Period. So... You, we have Valley Girl, which I must have done 
thousands of times really? in high school. Oh, oh my God, that was a huge thing when I was growing up. Oh gosh, the valley. I mean, I didn't even know what a valley girl was until you did that. Okay. <laughs> um, the conehead. Like, how did the conehead sketch start? The, the coneheads. Um, before we went on the air, Lauren right. thought it'd be a good idea if we did improv at his loft. Mm-hmm. And, which was a good idea for right. us to get to know one another. And uh, Danny and Jane and I got a suggestion of an alien family. Mm-hmm. And we just assumed the roles of, of them as the dad and me as the teenage kid, and I created the voice. <laughs> but it wasn't until Danny, uh, I think he was watching This Island Earth, right? Uh, it all came together for him and Tom Davis. Wow. I mean, that's iconic. And you're in the, it's in the... Uh Center, your hat, your uh, No, that's from the movie. You know, it's so funny to me. I was like looking at that going, did they take that and then put plaster over? I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I mean, it's so funny to me that the young actress that they got who looked like me right here, that was it. Right. People think I was in that movie more than I actually was. Um, So don't mention it, Judy. Okay, fuck that movie. (laughs) That movie sucked. It was only good on SNL. It was really, it was so good. What was, were there a lot, there were a lot of drugs going on. Is that correct? There was some, you know, Gilda didn't do drugs. Jane didn't do drugs. Um, I came there with a drug habit. Right. You know, so uh, it became more available to me. It's always funny to me when they say, yeah, they got into drugs because they couldn't stand the success. It's such bullshit. Right, right. You know, if you're going to be an addict, you're going to be a, an addict. If you have more money and availability, it's right. going to get worse. So did anyone ever say anything to you? Like, uh, No. Wow. But it was also part of the culture. And right. as long of as I, and I never worked high. Right. So, uh, but it did affect my overall uh, spirit. Yeah. You know. Of course. Um, your favorite character that you... You know, I, I've rarely repeated characters. That was my great big idea, even mm-hmm. though Lorne implored me right. to do that because he felt like, you know, obviously it'd make you more memorable. Like Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana for exactly. Gilda, yeah. And But I just had, I knew better, you know. I wasn't going to be a hack. Right. It was such a wrong-headed notion. <laughs> right. So as a result, you know, it's still to this day, were you in all four seasons? You know, five yeah. seasons? Yes, yeah. I was. Yeah. You know, Um but I created this character of Lena Wertmuller. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, which was so random and right. out there and obscure, and I don't think anybody really knew who she was. But I just, she just tickled me. Right. You know. Can I talk to her right now? Let Nina? me see if I can remember how she sounded. <laughs> it was really a bad French-Canadian accent because she was Swiss. <laughs> so I don't know why I did that. Uh so you do the first show, you do like you do the first 13. When do you know that it's getting picked up? Uh, I don't remember. Okay. Next. I'm then, sorry. It's all right. <laughs> when do you realize this is the zeitgeist? This is one day Gilda and I were walking on uh, 6th Avenue and we had done the sleepover sketch with Madeline Kahn. Oh. Oh, loved her. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she's one of my biggest influences. Yeah. Eve Arden, Madeline Kahn, and Richard Pryor. Ah, oh, Eve Arden loved. Those are the people. Yeah. But um, somebody yelled across the street at us, that's disgusting, you know, which was a line from the sketch. Right. And that's when we knew that people were watching. That's amazing. That's when I knew. So um, I read that you also realized that you were 
a celebrity because John and Yoko stopped you on the street. No, I was walking through. I, I, I can fuck you. No, no, no. All right. I, I came from a photo session All with right. Francesca Scavula. Ah. And uh, yeah. I was going to read through. The, the host was Jill Clayberg. Mm-hmm. I'm in the lobby of 30 Rock walking to the elevators. And in the peripheral vision, I see these two figures. They come into focus, and it's John and Yoko. Wow. And as they pass in front of me, John goes, Hi, Lorraine. <laughs> Not high, high, right. high Lorraine. And, you know, I was like Lou Costello. It was like, right. John, Hamis. <laughs> <laughs> no saliva in my mouth. Right. I went into the elevator and I felt like screaming, John said hi to me in the hall. Right. But then I thought, that really sounds like a high school thing to say. Right. <laughs> so I, I didn't, but man. Oh. That must have been yeah. so incredible. Was, All right. Favorite yeah. host. My God, that would mean I have to remember. You know, Madeline Kahn. Yep. Uh, Steve Martin was mm-hmm. always good. He was pretty much a cast member. Yeah. Um, hmm. uh, whenever Michael Palin hosted, oh, it was yeah. any of the Pythons. They were great. Um, and then the again, you know, Kirk Douglas was fun. Oh yeah. People who were a lot of people don't know that about Kirk Douglas. Yeah. The, <laughs> um, <laughs> He actually got my phone number and called me one day at no my, way. my apartment while I was tripping. Oh, my God. Did you answer the phone? Of course I did. Oh, yeah. This is pre, yeah, yeah. where but, you could screen calls. And yeah. wh- how was that conversation? Uh, you're going to hear no this idea. phrase a lot. I don't remember. <laughs> um, did, you, did you know after the fight? How did they get rid of you? How did they well, get rid of the... I mean, f- we weren't fired. Right. It, it was the kind of thing where, but thank you for phrasing it in that yeah. way. Um, I'm very, you know, <laughs> sorry. No, but it's like, all right, sorry. Lorne was not going to stay after five years. Right. Lorne was leaving. Right. So none of us wanted to do the show if he wasn't there. Right. And I wanted to go home. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> really like New York. Wanted, I read that often it, that you didn't like, like New York. It wasn't for me. Yeah. And, you know, there's an aspect of my dislike for it that is so mundane, but I come from a car culture. Right, right. Where I can just go whenever I want to. And if I wanted to pick up my dry cleaning and do a big right. marketing in one day, I right. could do that. You couldn't do that in New York. And that is the reason I love New York, is because I hate the car. Mm-hmm. And I love that I can either walk, ride a bike, take a subway, take a bus, yeah. take a cab, you know. Yeah, but Judy, you know, there's nothing like driving up PCH with the ocean <laughs> on your left and just blasting, you know, your, your tunes, and yeah. it's just fantastic. <laughs> uh, John Belushi's death. Um, oh horrible. Yeah, I mean, I must say that... Uh, I've lost so many people. Yeah. We've all lost. But I mean, yeah. I, I think specifically people from the show right. have lost people in an unnatural way. Yep. So John many Candy, that when yeah. I, you know, I hear certain people die, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that I don't cry. Right. But I really feel like I've become numb. Right. To some extent. Um, and yeah, and, and I knew John Candy too. Yeah. Uh, I knew a lot of these people. I, I had met Chris Farley. We did... Um, the Aspen Comedy Festival mm-hmm. once, and um, I went out to dinner with Steve Martin, and he said, "God, what do you think? What are we gonna do?" And I said, "Don't worry, Norm Macdonald will talk about ass rape, and uh, <laughs> and Chris Farley will do something." Yeah. And I was right. Uh, but I was at a Super Bowl party at John Lovitz's house one time, mm-hmm. and the caterer had made 
these uh, hot dog buns that were shaped like footballs. Mm-hmm. And John Lovitz had some kittens. And Chris put a kitten in oh, the it's bun. Oh, no way. And it was like, you know, talking casually and <laughs> pretending like he was going to bite. It was just such a, one, it was such a oh, great visual. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, you le- so you leave, you go back to New York. Uh, I mean, back to L.A. I'm sorry. You leave New York, go back to L.A. And is it what happened? I mean, is it a complete adjustment? Um, Here's the thing. Growing up in Beverly Hills. Right. You either see Cary Grant when you go Christmas shopping. Right. Or you see the actor that has been on a series and is no longer on a series. Right. And you see that look. Right. And I knew that I was going to be facing that. Do I have that that look right now? No, you don't. Oh, okay. You don't. Uh. (laughs) Um. I never wanted to have that look, but I did eventually right. get that look to some extent. But I, you know, I had so many friends. Right. And um, so I was always like at the A-list parties. So I, I just, even though I wasn't doing the kind of work I wanted to do, um, I was still among people that made me feel connected to my community. Right. Uh one time, you know, Penny Marshall and Carrie Fisher had their birthdays both in October, so they give a joint party. And this was like the pinnacle of A-list parties. I mean, everybody was there. And I remember seeing Clint Eastwood turn to Bette Midler and say, man, there sure are a lot of stars here. (laughs) (laughs) It's high school. That's all high school. Showbiz is total high school. It's It's like you're popular, you're a burnout, you're, Mm -hmm. you know... Do you think the industry has treated you well or treated you fair? I mean, I do this because I love it. I, I don't think I've, you know, do you I ever... think I've been treated very fairly. Yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, for considering, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't think my work on SNL was that good. What? I, I swear to God. No I, way. I, I, you have to believe me, I don't. So, you know, it's... Um, I feel like the industry treated me appropriately in terms of the impression that I made. Right. So, um, but now, I, the only thing about animation is that you're anonymous. Right. And so people don't think I've been working. Right. And that's a little daunting. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I really, are you learning? Yes. I hate uh, when people say are, shit. Are you still working? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I know. You're it's... an adult, so you don't watch cartoons. Right. But... That's so annoying. I like but, people say shit to performers that they would never say to r- regular people. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, like I, I heard your law firm went down. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't like that doesn't happen. We get so much shit. Like, oh, we saw you the other night. I mean, how do you think you did? Shut the what? fuck up. Oh, Have you God. ever had someone go, oh, did you enjoy? Fuck you. Oh God. I had someone, this was memorable, say, oh, are you Lorraine? Yes. I thought it was you, but you weren't ugly enough. What? <laughs> okay. It's unbelievable, yeah. the no boundaries bullshit. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, that's a rare occasion. Right. Mostly people are really kind. Yeah, but they do it to stand-ups, I think, a little more because you're, that's you know. That's brutal. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of... The state of comedy today, now that we are at this point where comics are being held to a higher standard than fucking asshole politics, the president of the United States, you know, we are held to this 
standard, you know, we get vilified for saying things, and yet this... Are you referring to... Uh, orange fuckface. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. People believe what they want to believe. But I think it's also... I think that comedy's really important now. Absolutely. But I've, I don't know if... But pe- I think that people don't... I think... I don't know. That they don't have... Uh, we don't have an attention span. Mm-hmm. anymore. So people will knee-jerk react to a word in a joke. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people take the time, what is the intent of this joke? What is the, you know, I'm laughing, but what is this joke saying? Well, you, know? you have to consider the audience. Right. I, I really think that, uh, well, this is not going to go over well for some conservatives in the right. audience, but... Do we um, have any? I mean, what conservatives like comedy? Anyway, uh, all right. I, I saw yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, on Wednesday the Camille Bell. Yes. He he started to say something. I think he was talking about Ving Rhames being arrested outside his own house. Yes. And there was a girl in the audience that said, don't lecture me. Well, how is that lecturing yeah. anybody? It's a premise. You know, to, so yeah. what that illustrates to me is that she was not listening. Right. And that there was no real, um, what's the word, uh, uh, critical thinking? Right. Yeah. Dumb. She's a dumb, dumb. bitch and a she's racist. A okay. Yeah. She's a dumb bitch. I would call her a cunt, actually. I would call um, her, well, you know, I don't fucking say. Fucking white supremacist I don't say the guy's yeah. name, the orange one. I call yeah. him Donald Twunt. Donald <laughs> That's Donald my name wants. for the creature. I hate him. I, I, hate I him. really hate him, and I hate what he's doing to this country. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, Obama, the best sense of humor. Oh, my the God, best. yes. Yes. And this asshole can't even go. First of all, he did SNL and wasn't funny because he can't laugh at himself, you know? I know. Well, and, the correspondence dinner yeah. uh, before he was president, I don't right. remember who it was. Yeah, it was Seth Meyers. Yes, uh, you know, oh God, he's just a moron. He, I know. Uh, has there ever been a president that has been called a moron by people who are in his yeah, party? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. He has no sense of humor. I um, love the CEO of of, of Harley Davidson calling him a moron. I yes. know. That's awesome. Uh, I always ask two questions to my guests. Um, the first one is because yes, I'm we're Jewish. I am. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, I'm very, uh, I suffer from anxiety, depression. You know, I had a very bad clinical depression. So we're very pro mental health. Yes. Uh, And I get a lot of letters like, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, mental health, people don't realize it's just like having like a physical problem, you know? So we uh, always. No, I like that. Thank you for clapping. But it's true. It's like, come on. You yes, know, if you're ever, is. if you suffer from any sort of anxiety, depression, it's like, it, you realize it is not in under your control. Yeah, people are exactly. like, I was in a clinical depression. All my mother did. I mean, she loved me, but she would be like, every day she'd call me. Are you better? Oh, are you better? Oh, my God. Do you feel better? How are you today? You better? You better? Oh. You better? You better? You better? And I was like, oh, my God, I can't. Okay. So we always ask our guests if they uh, have taken any sort of antidepressants. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yes! Okay. They um, saved my life. Right, exactly. You know, um, I think people are that have depression... <laughs> I beg your pardon? Are you better? <laughs> yeah. I'm managing, yeah. honey. Yeah. But, you know, uh, for those of us that have, you know, chronic depression, mm-hmm. it's bottomless. And... 
antidepressants gives it a floor. Right. It doesn't eliminate it. Right. It just gives it a floor so that it has a reasonable depth, but it's not endless and bottomless to where nothing, the world just isn't worth being a part right. of. But it's interesting when you go through that and you think, you know, like these horrible, you know, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, you know. Yeah. And you can say, I mean, horrible. Yes. I would never do it. But I totally, you know, people are like, oh, you had everything in the world. But you know what it feels like to be like, wouldn't it, the world be better if I wasn't, you know. In yeah. A, a, and it, even I'm always surprised that people who have children kill themselves. Yes, because same. I know I would never do that to my kids. But I've never been in a place where I thought they would be better off without me. I think that's where they get to, you know. Um, And then I always ask, you know, the name of my podcast is Kill Me Now because I get aggravated. Like, I get pissed off at, you know, (laughs) like like an unnatural degree. You know, I I find myself saying almost six times a day, oh, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Over, you know, if I've missed the toothpaste on the, you know. Right. What? pisses you off to the point of, you know, that you just are like, are, yeah, you There's know. two things. Okay, good. One well. is the women that think that they can catch something from a toilet seat. Oh, I know. So they do that ski jump oh thing and God. end up pissing all, all over the over seat. All over the fucking seat and, and then the I fucking sit in it. I fucking hate that. <laughs> what is that? And they don't clean it up. And, it's and like, they don't clean it's it up. It's all over you know, the floor. And there's a shield right there. Right. There's a fucking shield yeah, that know. you can pull out and put on. The second thing is that people don't realize that when the traffic light is out, it works like a stop sign. Right. Or in the left turn lane, people who are too timid to pull out into the intersection, right. I, I lose my mind. Yeah. It's so fucking annoying. That toilet seat thing... No one's ever yeah. said that. I can't fucking take it. Yeah. And I just... And racism. And racism putting, is... Racism, I can't. That I can't even fucking deal with. Thank you so much for listening to Kill Me Now with Lorraine Newman. How how incredible that I got to spend time with her uh, and get to share it with you. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast is really uh, unairable. Um, and would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. Richmond, uh, if you haven't subscribed and left a review, um, I, it's annoying because I really need you to do that because then um, I get advertisers, I get, you know, to sort of pay for this since it's now costing me money, but I love you. Um, so please, please, please please subscribe and leave a review. Okay. Also, my book, if you don't have it, I hate you. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble, is coming to life as a an off-Broadway show. Uh, previews begin March 4th, and it runs through April 16th at 59E 59th Street. It's 59 East 59th Street Theaters because the address is 59 East 59th Street. <laughs> it's a great great bunch of theaters there so i'm excited to be there uh it's called yes i can say that written with my friend eddie sarfati and directed by the the multi-talented i hope i didn't say that too loud bd wong so that's what i'm 
really, you know, working on and, and I, you know, I'm just, I'm really proud of it. So get your fucking asses there. But in the meantime, I will be in DC this, uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 26, 27, 28 at the DC comedy loft. And, um, I haven't been in DC, as I mentioned earlier in the show, in the beginning, in a very long time. And I love fucking performing in DC. So get your fucking asses there. DC Comedy Loft. One show Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, 7.30, 9.30, 7.30 on Thursday. So there's that. And then, uh, February 4th, I will be in Avenel, New Jersey, right by where I grew up. Okay. Avenel, New Jersey, February 4th at the Avenel Performing Arts Center. Get your asses there. I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say growing up there and going back. It's so weird when you go back to where you came from and do stand-up. So that will be a fucking excellent show. And I have the amazing John Fish opening for me. I fucking love that guy. Uh, So that's going to be just amazing, incredible. I I can't think of any more accolade words. So that's all. Um, I I know I got a lot of hate mail, not hate mail, but concern mail from people who were like, Judy, why don't you take a screenshot of this? Why don't you take a screenshot of that? So here we go. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to Karen, who was at my show in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. Karen, yes, her name is Karen. It's with a C. And she bought me the most she brought brought me a bell a really cool bell i'm going to take a picture of it and i'm going to post my new bell that karen sent me thank you thank you karen i also am looking up my okay here we go no that's not it okay i want to say thank you to robert albini i think it's albini a l b i n i could be albini but i think it's albini because there's only, uh, no, it could be Albini because there's one M. Okay, whatever it is. Thank you. He listens to the end. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Okay, wait, I'm going back. I'm looking right now while you're, I was going to say while you're on the phone, I'm looking. So that is Robert Albini. Um, okay. Who, this one I love. I also want to say Christy. Christy, I love you. Thank you for listening to the end. Christy with a CH. She, um, she is her, her, it looks like her, um, uh, name on socials is paid in worms. So that sounds really appetizing. Thank you, Christy. I also want to say that, you know, thank you to the people who've been trying to repost, uh, the news about my, uh, off Broadway show and they're trying to repost it on Facebook. But since I have a ball gag in my mouth, they're having trouble since it's breaking the rules, but you can be anti-Semitic, homophobic and racist on social media. That is absolutely fine. Um, I also, who else am I going to say hello to just Deb 1996. Thank you. Just Deb for listening to the end. I love all of you who listen to the end. I can't fucking believe you do that and send me more because I'm, you know, I'm not good. 
I try to write them down. And then I now, so now I have three on this episode to make up for the not none on the last episode. All right. So thank you all for being fans. Thank you for listening. I love you all. Oh, here comes the police coming to pick me up. I can't fucking record here anymore because it's so like, it's, it's ridiculous, but it is New York city. So anyway, thank you so, so much for listening. I love all of you equally. And as we always say, so long, gaga. <laughs>